0: What's going on out there, Cryptoland? My name is Phil. This is the Fun With Crypto podcast. We are in season two, and this is episode 15. We have another interview today. We are going to be interviewing none other than John Carvalho, um, who on Twitter is at Bitcoin Error Log. I hope you guys enjoy the uh, the discussion because John and I kind of went all over the place and um i had a really great time talking with him he is really well spoken and very smart and i really i appreciate his views on just bitcoin and money and just really uh to me anyways an all-around cool guy so i'm super happy to uh that he took the time to uh do this podcast with me so without further ado here's my interview with john carvalho bitcoin Aerolog. Hello. Hey, John. This hey, is- how's it going? I'm good. How about you? Pretty good. All right. So yeah, I did the uh, the test recording. It worked great. And um, so this is the uh, the Fun with Crypto podcast, and uh, and I'm Phil, and I am joined today by no other than Bitcoin error log, John Carvalho. And um, before you know, before we uh, get into anything, I I just want to say that I. I only actually learned about you through the lightning trust chain. Um, So I actually, I I had been in the space for, you know, maybe uh, at this point now, we'll say close to three years, but, um, and and I actually didn't realize at the time that, that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that video with you and Roger, like, I I didn't realize that that, that was you. So when I, when I got introduced to you anew, uh, but I was at a different place at that time. Uh, in terms of crypto, I I was a total shit coiner and I I had no idea what I was doing. All I was doing was basically moving Bitcoin onto exchanges and, you know, buying the next faster thing, you know, it's going to be faster. It's going to be better. You know, it's more decentralized. So, (laughs) (laughs) and, and so I didn't actually, I I didn't understand, um, good content and, um, kind of like uh, objective arguments to, you know, why shouldn't we have a different coin? But anyways, um, so yes, I, I only learned about you again on the lightning trust chain and then after that, um, I started to follow you and I really really I like your posts. Like you you're, you're blunt and you're to the point, but I also feel that you're fair and objective. And to me that that's like that, that I, I'd rather you know what I mean? It's like I'd rather get hit with the stick and know that what I'm doing is wrong then somebody just lead me along with the carrot and not let me know that what I'm thinking is wrong. You know? Yeah, so- <laughs> I mean that's
1: that's pretty much my theme is like from my very first day in Bitcoin pretty much, I noticed that there was a lot of scamming and a lot of scamming opportunists and things like that. So I uh, do my best to kind of take a hard line on on risk risky behavior and things like this because I know – this kind of like a whole initiation process almost every bitcoiner goes through and that every cycle every bull bear cycle you know we get new we get new blood and then everybody's competing to basically get the money from that new blood and in the end i'm just trying to you know uh, somebody made a a good observation at one point i was i was on a rant about uh How I felt like everybody you know I'm watching a bunch of children running around in a field of balloons and every and they all want to grab these balloons and float off into the atmosphere, and I'm just trying to keep them on the ground and then somebody pointed out to me that like hey you're basically the the catcher in the rye over here like in crypto and and I was like, you know what. I went back and I had read the book when I was really young and I don't, I didn't really remember the reference. So I looked (laughs) it up and I was like, wow, it's like, it's like pretty much the same explanation. I just, I'm just trying to stop people from falling off the cliff, you know?
0: Yeah, I I definitely appreciate it. And I, I think that that message definitely comes out loud and clear. So, of course, when I, you know, uh when I started talking to you and everything and then you accepted to do this, you know, this discussion interview with me, I, I had to go back and watch that interview with you and Roger Ver. And, of course, I, I don't really want to go into detail into it because you've already gone into detail so many times, but... You know, my wife, who actually knows really very little about crypto, was sitting there listening to this and, and knows like not as much as about Bitcoin. And you know, her impression was even she's like, "Wow, she's like this guy knows his stuff." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so, and I know like not all of us, you know, we we don't all know everything. Um, but I mean, y- you could really see that, you know, you had prepared and. You knew exactly where he was going to go with that, and it was it was really well done. And then from that, I I moved on to the uh, the the, uh, the YouTube video with you, uh, Shinobius, uh, who's now the secret Blockstream employee, and mm-hmm. um, and Vinnie Lingam. So I I actually work for a company that uses the uh, the Civic uh, that uses the Civic API. Okay. So I, I have, nice. a, yeah, great. So I, I have a little bit of, I uh, have a little bit of experience with this and I can say for a fact that you don't need that token to use that yeah. product. So, so for me, as soon as like, and, and it's funny, right? The day that, that our company agreed to work with them to u- use their identity solution, I started to do research and I, I get to actually test some of the product that, you know, that interfaces, it's a visitor management solution that we have that interfaces and mm-hmm. and they don't uh you know we we don't need to we don't as a corporation we don't need to own own their token in order to use that product
1: well this was the so the thing that like <laughs> this this goes back maybe two years now and when, when the whole i c o utility token craze started um and civic was kind of early on that but there was this rash of people that were trying to rationalize ICO behavior for their already existing projects you know a lot of ICOs were just kind of scams or, or or fantasies people had about things they wanted to build but then as people watched people raise a bunch of money they were like well shit I mean why am I trying to get VCs and doing pitch decks when I could just go out there and make a token and Make an excuse for having a token and raise a bunch more money, and so companies like Civic and Tyrion and people like this kind of you know forced in uh some kind of excuse to have a token within their scheme for their platform. but the problem always remained that why the hell would any user or business want a token? As an actual utility that had a variable price, um, you know, like, yeah. Sorry, my audio cut out for a second. Oh yeah,
0: there you are. Okay. <clears throat>
1: um, you know, your your business. Why why would they ever want to or or want to have to deal with having civic tokens to be able to use that service when they don't know how many you know uh, hits or or you know. Queries or whatever it is they charge charge you by in, in Civic. Why would they want that token if they didn't know how many they were gonna get for it?
0: No, exactly. Like I mean, th- don't get me wrong, but nowhere do we use that token. And and to your point, as I started to see that happen, I realized, you know, I started to go and look at a lot of these other projects, and I'm like, you know, holy crap, you know, this is this is all the same thing. You know, it's a lot of this is is just the same thing. Like you don't it, when you and then you, what happens is is that from that point. If you choose to accept the information that's in front of you, you start to realize you're like, well, wait a second. If I'm going to hold anything, I, I may as well be holding Bitcoin because Bitcoin is actually being what it's intended to be. It's doing what it's supposed to do, you know. whereas these other projects, it's they're not actually doing what they're supposed to do. They're just a piece of software that don't require any kind of coin to do what they need to do.
1: Exactly. Yeah, this was, this was a, I don't know if you were around or paying attention back when, um, Bitcoin Uncensored was a, a a video, a vodcast that used to, um, be very popular before the last bull run, um, leading, leading into it, really. Um, and then, but it was two people that did the show and, uh, Junseth and Krista Rose, and then they, they split up. But before they split up, the show was awesome and they, they were kind of, you know, some of the loudest, uh, voices of reason regarding stuff like this about ICOs and using blockchain for things that, you know, just didn't need a blockchain. And it's still a problem. I mean, the blockchain quote unquote industry is still pretty huge and we still have a lot of, uh, uh, large corporations and now we have banks and everybody's saying they're doing blockchain, but they're pretending like you couldn't just normally do this stuff with database structures and and networking and and normal money, you know. Um, it, it's it's hard because everything is so hard to explain to people, and it's hard to and you have like these reputable quote unquote large businesses and and experienced businessmen disagreeing with people like me and and people are like why should i believe you you're just you know you're just being a maximalist you're just being crazy or you know
0: oh yeah absolutely but you know what it is to your point it's they just need to understand something simple you know and and they can they they don't want to understand bitcoin like bitcoin is is too much of a monster it's too much of its own thing but but blockchain i
1: can take that and i can make it my own you know yeah I, yeah I
0: can,
1: <laughs> so. yeah earlier you said something that you know you, you said oh i watched the roger vere interview and uh I, I it sounded like you really knew your shit etc but the thing is is like as if any real bitcoiner i think you know i I'm most i should just speak for myself but <laughs> you know uh you always feel this kind of creeping ignorance because everything is always moving so fast and it's so intricate and there's so much new technology. There's so much detail to how the Bitcoin network works from since day one to just understand it. And so I just try to do my best to understand things and, and explain things on, con- on a conceptual level, and keep things about concepts and about you know uh, first principles and such. Because getting into the weeds about details, you know, like things like how right now, like Peter Razun is trying to like troll everybody with all of the bad things about the Lightning Network. Yes. He just drags everybody into the weeds and. He, and he's trying to unlearn the, the the concepts that people did learn and, and cause doubt. It's literally FUD, um, because it's too complicated for anybody to actually understand without like being a cryptographer and getting and being one of the developers of Lightning Network. And those people are too busy actually doing work to like dispel the dumb things that he's saying.
0: That's right. And instead, we're all stuck on Twitter listening to it. So, yeah <laughs> it's like because i mean don't get me wrong i'm definitely not technical enough to argue with him at his level you know to be able to explain back why what he's saying makes no sense but i i leave it to the more intelligent people to ignore him so so <laughs> I, f- I figure if they're not paying him any attention then that's fine but um i do want to uh, i do want to go back to something that that you mentioned um you're absolutely right the more i learn about bitcoin the dumber i feel about bitcoin because <laughs> because like what happens is is that it's like it it makes you aware of your ignorance it's like you know it's it's almost like a it's a mirror showing you everything you don't know you know so it's like you you'll see the piece that you do know and then all you'll see around it is what you don't understand
1: <laughs> so. And then, and then sometimes you'll think you knew something, you know, with a lot of confidence, and then somebody will act, will take the time to explain to you how it actually works, and then you realize that it's actually kind of, in a way. You could say it's the opposite of what you thought, you know, like, I don't know. I can't think of a good example offhand, but one example is like how people like to say Bitcoin is peer-to-peer money and how in reality, you know, there isn't actually a peer-to-peer aspect when you're transacting with people. Um, It's like more like we're all – organizing who has control which keys have control over utxos in a in a in a central database that has been dispersed decentrally so there's not an actual peer-to-peer transaction at all um and so you you get into a debate with somebody like roger ver and it's like he's saying you know bitcoin cash is actually peer-to-peer and you're like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's, it's like no it's not but um you know what to your point there's actually a really interesting comment that uh uh, that Shinobius made on uh, on Block Digest that has to do exactly with what you're saying. Bitcoin is not a voting mechanism; it's a coordination mechanism, and and like that that's exactly what it is. Like to your point, you know, where it, it's like we're all you know it's like we're all working together in order to in order to cooperate and organize, but it's not a peer to peer, as in a literal peer to peer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and you can do this. You can do this with like most of the qualities of Bitcoin. We can talk about Bitcoin fungibility and we can say, okay, uh, is Bitcoin fungible? Well, on a very 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 technical level it is because one satoshi equals one satoshi on the network. You know, it there are, the, the network can't tell them apart uh in in a, in the abstract sense. That's right. But but the, the actual job of the blockchain is literally to manage the difference between every Satoshi. So, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally to keep, like the UTXO set uh, literally keeps track of which Satoshis are separate and different than other Satoshis. So on a, on a, in a, in practice, it, it it can't ever be fungible, um, you know, on a technical level. So it's like you can do this with with so many qualities of Bitcoin, where you can be a devil's advocate and totally, you know, blow someone's mind or troll someone with just by explaining how things are the opposite of what people think they are.
0: Oh my gosh! No, you're absolutely right. And and actually, to that um, to that point, you you made a a comment recently that. Um, you know, going on Bitcoin's qualities um, that I, I, it really kind of rung true with me was that uh, Bitcoin wants to be free. And I I really, it kind of struck a chord with me because, you know, think of it like, like, you know, um, you know, water is the same thing. It follows the path of least resistance. And Mm -hmm. if you look at Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin um, reduces friction, which to me is, I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I, I'm kind of making analogies, but you know, it's Bitcoin is the same type of thing. I think it's gonna follow the path of least resistance. You
1: know, yeah, and, and, I mean my, my 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 concept of saying bitcoins wanna be free just comes from a really abstract observation of having been here for six plus years. It's just that I see in so many ways, and this isn't like a technical thing. This isn't anything scientific that I can put into, you know, a good explanation, but I know it's true. I know Bitcoins want to be free. I know they're hard to hold. I know they're, (laughs) you know, I know the more of them you have, the more they want to be set free. Like, you know, it's just, there's like a, a, a gravity. There's a gravity to them, you know? And, and that gravity definitely is some kind of force that makes people want to take them from you. They, and then once you have them, they want to get away from you. and it's just it's just a weird <laughs> <mere> phenomenon.
0: <laughs> I, I completely agree. It's like i've I've only recently began to make Bitcoin happy to stay with me you know like
1: yeah yeah it's hard it's the hardest it's the funniest thing is is the it's the most valuable lesson in bitcoin and it's the simplest lesson in bitcoin but it's still the hardest fucking lesson of all of them just to hold like just just take whatever money you are saving put it in bitcoin and hold and get on with your life that's it like, (laughs) like that's it that's all you have to do it's true and it's so difficult Exactly. But everybody is trying to find out when to buy, when to sell, who to listen to, what chart to look at, which shit coin to trade. I mean, oh, I can trade shit coins to make more bitcoins. Everybody's trying to put their bitcoin to work, lend it, etc. Oh. But like in in the end, like. The one time you make a mistake and get fucked, assuming it's only one time, because you're lucky if it's only one time, it it, it undoes all of the upside of, of any amount of Bitcoin you may have had if you had just held on for years. You know, I've been here six years and I'm not a millionaire. So that, that to me, what does that tell you? That tells you that even though I saw Bitcoins when they were worth $10, that they're, that, Normal behavior, normal life, the average person is is incapable of holding bitcoins that long. I,
0: I, I totally agree. I, I mean I, I completely completely agree. and it's, and that's, it's exactly true. I, I swear to you. I mean, when I first got into Bitcoin, it had nothing to even do with investment. It was for utility. It was for purpose. Like I found it interesting. I liked the tech, and on top of that, it fulfilled a requirement that I needed. You know, like it's like that couldn't be done in any other way. And it's like and then all of a sudden I found an exchange and I found all these shit coins and then it became, hey, wait a second, I can make more Bitcoin. (laughs) And, and, And that is so not true. Like, had I have just kept accumulating, I'd have more Bitcoin today than I would have ever had. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, one thing I like to ask people, like, um, I have a, I have a meetup that I host here, and one thing I like to ask people that that are really like hardcore shit coiners, I say, you don't have to tell me the number, but think of the most amount of Bitcoin do you ever have, you ever had, and tell me if that if that moment is now or not. And the answer is never that it's now. (laughs) You know, they always had more Bitcoin at some point in the past. Absolutely. Um, so like yeah, if you're lucky, or if you're a really good, really really good trader, and even that, I'm not sure is true, because eventually, even some of the great traders I've met and known, eventually they they, they get fucked too in one way or another. Their exchange gets hacked, or they accidentally send too much Bitcoin to the wrong address, or you know just things things happen. You know, and and the, the truth is is just you know the the safest thing, the most sane thing you can do is figure out how to be a productive human. Take what the skills you're good at, get a good job, make sure you get what you're worth. Continue to increase your skills so you can earn and and, and put value into the world and convert that value into Bitcoin.
0: So I think you make a very interesting um, a very interesting point about what you just said about holding, forget about it, and go be a productive human because that's one of the I. You had mentioned, you know, the effects of Bitcoin disruption. I I don't remember if you were talking with Vlad. Uh, It was like one of your recent podcasts maybe. But um, I I think it has to do with that. And right now, if – and again, I could be totally wrong and you could call me on it. But like, you know, we've – you know, regardless, Bitcoin aside, um, you know, deleveraging and all of this inflation has kind of like made us like a society of shitcoiners, right? Like we're we're just like a whole bunch of people that, you know – traded quality for quantity of of garbage product you know inferior cheap product because our money is cheap so we we can't actually get quality so bitcoin actually has this disruptive kind of effect where it it i believe it's going to incentivize a flight to quality and we're going to possibly become less consumers but what we will consume will be much higher quality items and experiences and, you know, and such, because, because it's going to be more difficult to separate yourself from your Bitcoin. You know, like, I mean, I I could tell you, I have a, you know, it's like, I don't want to spend my Bitcoin. Like, I remember like, you know, for something like when we did the lightning trust chain and, and you did those awesome, you know, you, you chose to help everybody out with like the shirts and everything and, you know, do something cool for everybody that would be memorable. Like, Man, like that to me was worth getting rid of a small amount of, you know, like Bitcoin to spend in the network for something memorable. So to me, like that was like a, a higher quality type of experience. And I was that. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, in the, I think there's a couple concepts here. One is, you know, with the shirts and the trust chain, I think that part of it was like, we, we all like to be a part of something. And anybody that participated in that felt like they were a part of something. And that was, that's, really that's probably the biggest reason why I didn't want to take the profits from those, those, selling those items, the shirts and mugs and stuff is because I knew that it was just kind of exploiting this community aspect and that, you know, I didn't build it. It wasn't my, you know, the, the whole phenomenon had nothing to do with me. I participated, but that's about it. And I knew that everybody would want it. And I knew that it, and it was, I knew that it would be the most popular item that I had put in the store so far. And I just, I just thought, you know, maybe if people buy a few other things, I'll make a couple bucks and that'll be enough. But, um, the other concept that you you were mentioning that uh, a higher quality and, and that you don't want to spend your bitcoins. I, I'll go back to what I was just saying, which is I don't think there's a problem with, with spending bitcoin. I don't think you know. I, I think we do have to balance living our lives and living a good life because that's that's what makes all this so valuable is that our our time here is limited, you know, and that we have mortality, and you know, money is just using work to convert convert our mortality into money. I mean, uh, work, work, you know. uh, Sorry, I'm I'm bumbling around. But you get the idea. Um, (laughs) Basically, you know, we we have a short time here and you do have to live your life and you do have to live a happy life. And I think that it's okay to spend your Bitcoin. Um, I just think that... You, if you, if you pair that with the concept of just always making sure any amount of money that you don't need to spend in the short term or within your normal capital inflow, uh, is in Bitcoin, that you're going to be okay. You know, like Bitcoin will take care of you if you take care of your Bitcoin.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I completely, completely agree. Um, here, you know what? We're going to, um, we're gonna switch. We're we're gonna change the uh, the flow a little bit, and I just wanted okay. to talk about your. Uh, um, so I went and I saw that you you work um, at uh, Bit Refill, is it? Correct. Okay. And and it's and you're the and I want to make sure I got this right. You're the CCO. Correct. Okay. Cool. So I am I allowed to am I allowed to ask like what you do or what that is or
1: sure or do you, it's okay. a Basically, it's, I'm the person managing communications related things there. So marketing, advertising, some product stuff, some business development stuff. Um, just mostly communications related. It's chief communications officer is what CCO stands for. Um, I started there in early December, I think, if I recall correctly. So it's been about three months. Cool. Um, and, uh, basically I'm trying to be somebody that's, that's, help- Pulling the company forward as, as it's growing, um, helping to be somebody that's, uh, has some experience in the Bitcoin world and helping, you know, we're, we're all, we all just had a two week, um, work retreat in Spain where we all met up from, cause we're, we're scattered around the world. So we met up to work together for two weeks and so we were, you know, doing a lot of planning about what we're going to do for our roadmap for the rest of the year, um, planning about what we're going to do about this whole Lightning Network thing, which has become a much bigger force um, than I think the company had uh, realized that it would be maybe a year ago. Um, but um, overall, I, I love it, man. I love I love this work. I, I love we have planned, and i i am happy to be part of a company that actually is helping you know people that are in big, not just bitcoin but other cryptos too give them a way to you know give them an off ramp that is actually useful to make them not have to keep converting to fiat.
0: that's right. no, i I think it's fantastic and uh, I, I definitely uh, I look forward to uh, I look forward to, I saw some of your announcements that that there's some really cool stuff coming down the line, so I look forward to the uh, you know, the development from BitRefill because I, I really uh, – I, I always try to find um, – I always try to find Bitcoin companies, you know, doing things for Bitcoiners and uh, I just think it's it's really important. Like to me, it's – you know, when, when you look at all these other type of, you know, these garbage projects and stuff like that that are really just self-serving, it's nice to see somebody trying to – or I shouldn't say trying but actually building something on top of the actual, you know, like – the actual ecosystem that was meant to be there you know not not, not some weird mutant some sup, like supplant you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I used to say, I used to, I still do, I guess, uh, talk, talk about Coinbase a lot. And, and, you know, I feel like every Bitcoin or crypto business has a choice to make. They can make Bitcoin their biggest enemy or they can make it their best friend. And it's really hard for a business to not choose to make Bitcoin their worst enemy. Um, even the Bitcoins that support Bitcoin, and, and, and you'll see this all the time, you know, over the years, you see companies that, Oh, we're switching from Bitcoin to Litecoin. We're switching from Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash. We're at we're, we're switching from we're not going to bother, you know, incorporating Segway or Lightning or any of these things. We're just going to keep adding more and more and more and more shitcoins. And that would they end up hating Bitcoin even though it's like the only thing that like allows them to exist in the first place. Um and it's That's a real it's a real true. paradox, you know. Um, and I think that BitRefill as a company is doing its best to just, you know, uh, be a company that is aligned with Bitcoin. Um, we're not huge, you know, uh, we're maybe 15 people or so. Um, so we can only do so much. Um, but, you know, hopefully we will continue to grow. Um, you know, we've had a pretty good year so far and I think things look good. So hopefully we can continue to grow and be a bigger force for helping Bitcoin grow as well in the Lightning Network.
0: Well, I I think you guys have, uh, you know, we're right at the beginning. So, you know, and seeing, just seeing the way that you communicate and stuff like that, I, I I personally have no doubt, you know, that you guys are going to do great things. (laughs) So, but um, I, uh, hold on a second. Where is it? Okay. I want you to, there there was something that you mentioned. um, And again, I don't know if it was on Vlad's podcast, but you mentioned the idea of And and I really like this. It was small stories, small wins. I said that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, it's like, it's like, man, I had like a two hour conversation. I totally don't remember saying that. (laughs) Yeah. But you you had mentioned small stories and small wins, essentially that like Bitcoin was the accumulation of. Of these these small stories and small wins, you know, like all around that eventually make it into this, you know, this this kind of ecosystem that we all exist in.
1: I suppose so. so. I mean, there's a lot of different fragments to the community, especially now with – there's like a whole separate side of Bitcoin with the Lightning community and those developers are, you know, forming – seemingly forming a whole uh, extra arm on the Bitcoin network. And so, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of people doing small things and doing their own um, efforts and businesses and, and communities and tribes and things like this and it all makes up the greater ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. It just, it's, it just kind of struck a chord with me because it really does feel that way. You know, like we have like a little meetup at work, you know, with like five or six people. Um, you know, like I know that there's like, like you just mentioned before you do a meetup. If you don't mind me asking, how many people are you?
1: It depends. Um, in the summer on average, uh, I would say it's maybe 15 to 20. Um, in the winter, it's more like five to 10.
0: You see what, like, it, exactly. Like, I think that totally illustrates the, you know, the small stories, small wins type of narrative. You
1: Although, know, what I it, should say is, lately, I've been, uh, I have a friend here that um, has asked me to moderate and participate in a couple of meetups at a local um, co working place uh, called Tech Hub. And there, it's more of a presentation format, and a lot more people come to those. Um, you know, oh, we'll really? see. Twenty to fifty people on average um, somewhere in that in that range and but I think the difference is, is that it's like a more professional setup, whereas when I do my meetups, it's just meeting up at a restaurant and hanging out um, so i i I think that what you know the crowd is telling me is people want presentations, they want to consume information that's delivered to them, and less people are looking for just a place to hang out with other bitcoiners.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that because the type of hangout that we do at work is, you know, we discuss different concepts in Bitcoin, but, um, I'd say that when one of us picks a topic and we decide to present the topic, people are more engaged, Yeah, you know, like instead of just the the general chat. So I I do agree. Um, okay. You also, you also said something that I, I found interesting as well, um, all money is a Ponzi, a consensus Ponzi. And I I have to obviously agree because once you actually understand what money is, you you realize that it has no actual value regardless of what it is, without people. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, so, I've also
1: said similarly that Bitcoin is people. Um, you know, exactly. it, sometimes people on Twitter, for example, or online in general, you know, they get into these really specific arguments or really hard line arguments about things. And I just feel like sometimes whether I agree with who, either side or not, I'm just like, come on, guys, like this is act- in the end, this is actually for humans.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. And you can't be
1: it. too clinical about this.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. I I think it's, but yeah. I just I think it's the way you illustrated it, the way that you said it. You know, it's like it was very simple, and you know anybody who actually has a grasp under, you know, an understanding of what money truly is at its core will understand what you're saying is correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, money, money. Well, this is why Bitcoin maximalists exists uh, somewhat ironically, is because they understand that money is. Basically a Ponzi. Um, it's not, you know, I'm using the term Ponzi loosely because Ponzi is literally a scheme where there's one man at the top that redistributes money to people below him until there's no money left for everybody, and he he takes a profit. And while he does it, but the difference with cryptocurrency is it's a headless Ponzi. It's a Ponzi for the people, is what I say. Um, and so. There's nobody at the top that can centrally manipulate everybody, and so it makes it easier for us all to agree on one money. And maximalists, they basically have they understand this concept, and they say, "Well, why would we ever want to agree on more than one money then? Because you know it would be a lot more efficient for everybody, and what if we all cooperate and choose the same money to believe in?"
0: No, you're exactly. You know that that is exactly well said. It's it's a it's very true, and and obviously when I heard it, it just you know obviously struck a chord with me. Um, okay, so there is something I definitely want to get your opinion on, and um, it's okay if you if you don't want to discuss it, but it, it has to do with the the introduction of you know because you made a a tweet that I I wish I would have I, I wish I would have printed it out, but introducing interest into the you know into the BTC base layer, or I shouldn't say interest, but inflation and i i I saw that you were tweeting last night um about somebody was talking about like inflation emission and and i think like so okay we obviously all agree there's a 21 million a 21 million cap i personally don't think there ever needs to be more than that ever i don't have a problem with a unit becoming worth more i think that's what makes sense but for some reason there seems to be this like underlying current that i seem to that, that i see Where it's like we're – there's like this pocket of subversion where they're trying to introduce inflation into the base layer through privacy. You know, like we're going to need privacy on the base layer and by doing that, we can obstruct that 21 million – you know, that 21 million cap. Have you heard about that or –
1: Yeah, so you're you're making me think. Want to talk about a few topics? Um, (laughs) Sorry, one one it goes back to the the last two things we talked about, which are that Bitcoin is for humans. Um, Now I'm forgetting my train of thought here. It's too much to to parse. Um, (laughs) That Bitcoin, that Bitcoin is for humans, and you know they are just okay. Let me let me back up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, let me let me cover one thing at a time. With the inflation aspect, you know, last night I was sort of trolling. Um, I don't actually want, uh, Bitcoin to inflate and I don't really care. Um, it is what it is and I, and I think that because we don't know have any definitive way to choose a better answer that we should really not bother trying to solve this problem that doesn't actually exist. Um, You know, pe- everybody wants to cause FUD and say, Oh, if lightning works, then there won't be enough fees on the base layer. Or, you know, if the, the block reward has too quickly, there won't be enough rewards for miners to keep the chain secure. And the thing is, is this is all oh, bullshit. Yeah, it's all bull because it's not, it's not asking the right questions and it, it's not thinking of like the way that markets and, and supply and demand actually work. You know, Bitcoin will always have enough miners based off of the, the function of what the actual trading prices. So it doesn't matter how many Bitcoins are being emitted because they're, they're, they're going to have to be worth enough in proportion and in tandem with the amount that people value that Bitcoin. So if P, if the network is worth a trillion dollars or $10 trillion, there's going to need to be enough miners to make that valuable and they're going to charge high enough fees to, to justify that. And if they if miners have to charge too many too high of fees for people, then the price of, of the market cap will go down if people don't want to pay that. So it's like, you know, you can't you can't say the fees will be too high because there's no such thing as the fees being too high. Because if people paying them, if people are paying that fee, it's not too high. Exactly. <laughs> um, I totally agree. It, I know it sounds weird probably to some people listening, but it's the truth. Like, you know, if the fee is $25 to do a Bitcoin transaction, that's because that's the market value of a Bitcoin transaction. Um, it, it ultimately, it was volatile and it was noise the last time it happened. It didn't stay that high. But, um, so I think some someday it may, may be uh, that Bitcoin transactions are that high on the base layer. Um, what else did I want to say about inflation? <clears throat> oh, go, I said I wanted to go back to the other points about Bitcoin being for humans. The, the thing about in, uh, talking about inflation is that Bitcoin is going to be emitting for many, 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 many years. I might be dead before it's done. I, I forget what year it ends. I probably, I'll probably, i definitely be dead. I think it ends in a long both time. Of,
0: both of us are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and so if I'm going to be dead by the time the Bitcoins are done being printed – that means I'm never going to live in a world where Bitcoin is truly deflationary. There are always going to be Bit- being Bitcoins printed in my face. You know? that, that, <laughs> like, that's right. So we so, actually won't even see the full spectrum. So that, yeah. So that makes the real question, uh, what should the rate of emission be? Nobody is asking this question. and. and Maybe we don't – maybe a more interesting question isn't whether we should increase inflation, whether we should add more coins or increase emission. Maybe it's more interesting just to ask, should we smooth it out? Should it not be every four years? Is there, a dis- is, there some- is that a bad design thing to that it- that we only have every four years? Maybe we should, you know, reduce by twenty percent every X years or whatever the same proportion is, so it's smoother. Uh, maybe it will have less boom and bo- boom cycles, and the volatility will be more on a steady upward trend instead of huge up and huge down. You know. Uh, yeah I just think that the whole conversation about inflation is silly, and I don't see any intelligent conversation around it. It just seems like you know there's ulterior motives where people want to either cause fud or there's another phenomenon with with people that come into bitcoin um I know a guy named John Seth, the other guy from the bitcoin uncensored uh podcast that used to be, both of them um he made a meme that has a picture of space ghost and he says, and it says, I'm new to Bitcoin and I'm here to fix it. (laughs) And, and it's just basically like, you know, everybody that when they, when they come into the Bitcoin world, they get so, um, I don't know. Uh, inspired, I guess, to, to put it in a good way, they get so inspired by everything that they've just been faced with that they now they want to they want to get their hands dirty and they want to make Bitcoin better and they want to make their own shitcoin or like they just they get inspired and they feel like they need to participate and. And I think that's partly what it is sometimes. Sometimes it's just innocent and it's not an actual ulterior motive. It's just that people feel like they have some kind of, they discovered Bitcoin and so that means they have some kind of special ability to make it better. Um, and I just think it's, it's not an interesting conversation to me to talk about changing the inflation. To go back to your point about, uh, privacy. Yes, this is something I'm not. I don't have a stance on it either way yet. Um, talking like a politician, but uh, <laughs> in the past I have mentioned this. I have mentioned how um, whether or not I have a blog post about Bitcoin fungibility, if, if it's really fungible or not. And one of the things I bring up is that having a for lack of a better term, human readable blockchain history makes people that don't know anything about cryptography or know only a minimal amount, it gives them a way to kind of check things or they can have a little more faith that things are working when things aren't hidden. And if you if we just start hashing everything into hashes and trees and more hashes and more trees and and start obfuscating everything, if there's ever a bug only the highest level cryptographers are going to be able to find it or catch it or exploit it. And so if things become hidden, that means they could theoretically be hidden in such a way that inflation could increase where coins could be printed. We saw this with Zcash, right? That's right. Um, they, they had some kind of exploit where they claim it wasn't actually exploited, but they actually don't have a way to prove that it wasn't exploited. <laughs> um, Trust me. And I don't know, maybe there's special circumstances to the cryptography on their chain that don't apply the same way to uh, confidential transactions. But, you know, there is a certain amount of faith and trust uh, that we put into the reputation of our elder core developers and such um, that, you know, if they ever did want to do something evil or if there ever was one of them that was more advanced than the rest of them, they could sneak something in, you know, Um, and I don't feel that they're doing this. I think they're they're doing great work. But I also will at the same time say, and I've said for many years, that anybody who's trying to change Bitcoin in any way, the first way to think of them is that they're doing an attack on Bitcoin. Um, I tell yeah. people they shouldn't run the latest version of Bitcoin Core because it just hasn't been in the wild. You no, know, like secured. This is security software in a way, and why would you ever run the latest version of a security software? You know.
0: It's true. You're absolutely right. Even you know, even because uh, I, I work in troubleshooting, and of course, we we don't even recommend people use the most recent version of the software. You know. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I remember back in the day when when uh, I was working at a newspaper or or other other businesses when there'd be a new version of Windows that comes out. It seemed to happen so much anymore. But you know, when we had Windows XP and then we had Windows ME and Windows two thousand and Windows seven and all these these changes, it was like a huge deal for a, a large company to upgrade Windows and change. They had they had really hardened into the old software with a lot of security protocols and you know, permissions across the company and integrations with business partner software that it's a real pain in the ass to update. And someday that's how it's gonna be with Bitcoin too you know um, this is why we have a base layer this is why we try to say we don't want to be forking Bitcoin one of the reasons because it, it's very disruptive when people actually start building stuff on it okay so you you bring up
0: you bring up two interesting kind of kind of two interesting points one of them um, okay so are you for or against ossification at the base layer I I personally, I'm um, for ossification, from what I understand currently. It, it doesn't mean that my, you know, I'm also sounding like a politician. But to to be honest, if you're if you're smart enough to know that you don't know things, then you're smart enough to know your opinion can change. So so for me, it's like based on the information I have, I'm for ossification.
1: I will say that I'm technically for it, but that, that only because that's not how I look at it. I actually don't ah. believe – I don't believe in hard forks. I think the concept as we know it, as we what we call a hard fork, does not actually exist. It may exist for other coins because they're centralized, but for Bitcoin, it does not exist. If Bitcoin were to hard fork today, I can 100% guarantee you the old chain would persist regardless of the reason. I um, totally agree. So, it has ossified, in my opinion. Um, there, there's no way, even if you get consensus from people, a large amount of consensus, it will not be the, the super, super majority. It's gonna be, you know, Somewhere above 50% maybe or or some – I don't know how they'll threshold it. But there's always going to be at least some assholes that want to mine the old chain just because it will cause confusion. (laughs) I mean if Bitcoin forked, it will bring Roger Ver out of retirement in 20 years. It's like, oh shit, Bitcoin's finally forking. Let me go say that everybody should use the old Bitcoin and keep mining the old Bitcoin. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) He can have his day in the sun. Yeah. Finally, he'll win, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so but you you also brought up so all right so ossification you're you're for it and I like your explanation because I, I do agree with that because that that is like the way I see it is Bitcoin is what it is and to an earlier point that you made um, and this may have been in a um, in in a different conversation but you know if some other coin comes along. You know how people make that that false narrative about the longest chain, and and you had you had tried really hard to dispel it, but for some reason people use this idiotic idea that if you have a coin that has a longer chain than Bitcoin, right? Like if Bcash would have the longest chain, all of a sudden it would become Bitcoin. Like that that makes no sense. No,
1: it doesn't you know, make also- any sense. I argued a lot about how big. <laughs> my my line was Bitcoin is not a crown.
0: It is exactly.
1: a, it's a network and <laughs> d- any new network is just simply not Bitcoin because we already have a network called Bitcoin. And, and so it's just a silly notion to think that it's some kind of crown or like heavyweight title belt that somebody gets to wear because they achieve some kind of metric.
0: Exactly. Only Bitcoin gets to be Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. um,
0: But it also the other topic, uh, the other point that you made about Bitcoin security, I wanted to ask you, um, we we see a lot of the uh, and and I don't know if this was present back in 2013. I feel like it was. Um, And the reason why I referenced 2013 is because that's before my time. Um, But I I see a lot of um, I see a lot of people mentioning quantum computing as a um, as a possible threat vector and you know of course anytime I see somebody mention quantum computing if you go take a look at their profile and you start to dig they're usually some shit coiner that that believes in you know some other ledger that will you know be able to defeat quantum computing but anybody who I, I mean if I don't know if you've ever used the website gsr.com but they they kind of have like a it's like a password hasher so you could sit there and let's say theoretically type in 24 seed words and you'd find out how many years it would take to break that seed okay mm. through different methods and if you ask me, I think quantum computing is complete bullshit like I, I I'm not saying that the idea of quantum computing is bullshit I'm saying that the idea that quantum computing will
1: destroy Bitcoin is bullshit. <sighs> So this is a bit above my pay grade, but I'll say that Me too. I try to have I've, – I've had this conversation not recently but in the past with people at that pay grade. Um, and their general feeling is that uh, quantum is pretty far off uh, in, in any practical way. Um, quantum computing uh, ruining Bitcoin is the least of our problems when it does come. Um, basically, you know, all encryption would be current, all current encryption would be potentially compromised. So it's, it's, it's a much bigger issue than Bitcoin. Um, but what I will say is Bitcoin has a funny way and the Bitcoin developers have a funny way of always figuring out how to do what needs to be done without a hard fork. And I think that's why you're asking because you're saying to, to make, to make Bitcoin quantum resistant would require a hard fork as far as most people say. Um, but, you know, with what's recently happening with lightning and, uh, When I'm kind of uh, some of the things uh, conversations I'm having with people about what's actually possible on a second layer, I feel like there's probably going to be a scheme if it's ever needed, where we'll figure out how to do something through a soft fork or where everybody kind of migrates their value onto a second or you know a second layer or an alternate second layer or you know there's going to be some kind of way to kind of protect yourself with new addresses or new uh, on a new type of encryption type or something like that. Now again, I'm speaking ignorantly on this. I just feel like it's probably not going to be a problem anytime soon, maybe not even in my lifetime. Uh, so – and it's nothing I have any power to do anything about. Um, so I, it's just not it, – to me, that makes it kind of less interesting.
0: I, I completely agree. I, I think it's a moot point because it's nothing that we can actually control right now. Yeah. I, I mean so I, I totally agree.
1: And it, this makes me think also when people like to talk about mining attacks or attacks on bitcoin and i like to say that well they're all glass hammers you know um anytime you use an attack on bitcoin you you, you somebody is going to if you're going to do it in any, in any way that actually is worth something somebody is going to notice that you use that glass hammer and that glass hammer will break um and that means that like even if you 51% attack bitcoin well, the moment you exercise that power, everybody's going to know, <laughs> and that's going to make Bitcoin worthless, or or have a patch, or you know, the, or fork, or do something in it as a reaction to maintain and survive. So I think any attack on Bitcoin is only going to be something that causes a moment of volatility and not necessarily kill it. I don't think you can actually kill Bitcoin.
0: I, I completely agree because I mean, to a certain extent, I mean. You know, I, I'm, you know, in, in the worst case scenario, I will always run my node. I, I don't really care. You know, like for me, it's, it's, it, it to your, you know, to your point, it's, it, it's got these, you know, Bitcoin has these diehards that in, in the end, somebody, you know, Bitcoin can't be killed because we won't let it die.
1: Well, this probably goes to why. You know? People like Roger Ver want um, want people to believe in narratives like if you have the most users or you're, you're the most P2P cash or you are the cheapest transaction fees or you have the longest chain uh, even though it's on a separate network. Whatever it is, they, they try to make a kind of metric that means that this thing should be called Bitcoin. I think the reason why they, they try to perpetuate that narrative is that that's the only way to actually kill Bitcoin is to get everybody to agree to move their value somewhere else.
0: That's exactly right. And and you know, so if they can somehow sway the hearts and minds, you know, which is what is needed, um, then they can do that. But I, you know, I don't see it happening. I, I really I mean, just from my own experience of of going through the you know the the shitcoin rabbit hole and coming out a bit I wouldn't say a Bitcoin maximalist necessarily but I'd say uh, a Bitcoin majorist and I say that not because I believe in any other uh, store of value um, other than Bitcoin I don't but I know that other people do so yeah I mean you you've know, probably
1: seen me say I I don't believe that Bitcoin will ever be the only money I don't believe it'll ever be the only cryptocurrency honestly exactly uh, because there's a there's a tribal aspect to this stuff and there's always going to be competition and competition is probably actually healthy um you know if if we didn't maybe if we didn't have Roger Ver, you know harping at us for 2 years about block size it would have something would have happened differently and it would have taken longer or happened in a less powerful way I don't know you know like it seems like the opposite is true where people, where, where shitcoins and shitcoiners mostly waste Bitcoin time and waste resources and slow Bitcoin <laughs> down. But, you know, it's, 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 it's tricky. You know, when you have something that is, you know, exhibiting such anti fragile traits as Bitcoin does, you sometimes have to wonder if it, if it isn't better to slap Bitcoin in the face to make it do something instead of, you know, uh, have faith in it and just hodl and sit there.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. Um, okay, so I let's see here. okay, let me ask you this. Do you have any um do you have any final thoughts or anything because just we're we're coming up on an hour and to be honest, I, I could actually ask you a million questions, but <laughs> just you know your your time is important, and I really appreciate that you came on you know to to speak with me uh, about this. I, I really do. so do you have any final thoughts or anything?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess current topics are. Well, there's there's a lot of this people wanting to lend their Bitcoin, and you know, you oh, probably yes. heard me say, you know, just in general, be careful with letting other people hold your Bitcoin. You know, you 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 manage to get some. You know, think twice about whether you let somebody else hold it for you. Exchanges are for exchanging; they're not for banking. Um, Exchanges are going to try really hard to become banks, and they're going to try to be your bank and make you feel safe. But you know, there's, there's there's other attack vectors at play with crypto that are different than fiat, because it goes it only goes one way. It's a push payment instead of a pull payment. There's no chargebacks. There's no you know there's no undo button. When your bitcoins are deleted, they're deleted, um, and and exchange can't can't stop that. So it's better off holding them yourself. Um, well, as long as you don't delete them yourself.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know what you, you bring up a, uh, you bring up a good point and I'm sorry, I actually meant to ask you about that because obviously we're hearing a lot more commercials for BlockFi and Celsius network. And, and to me, when I first heard about these, I, all I heard was BitConnect, Davercoin, USA well, tech, you know, but then you look at the players, right? And now the players have changed. The the players aren't the the BitConnex, right like now the players have nice suits
1: and they sure, come sure. from,
0: right yeah. you know
1: well that's I, the thing is you can't the only difference between scamming and ignorance is is proving intent um, and blockfi I'm not trying to say they're scamming anybody I don't, I don't know, know whether they're scammers I have no way to prove I don't have evidence or any reason to say that but the the behavior they're exhibiting is not indes- is not very Distinguishable from a Ponzi scheme or a scammer, and they may be running a Ponzi scheme unintentionally. <laughs> you know, like when I when I quizzed him about uh, whether they had a formula for calculating the rate or what their plan was for the rate, he didn't have any answers. You know, his 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 plan seems to basically Zach is is his who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his plan seems to be. Get a bunch of people to let you, me hold your bitcoin um and then promise them a percentage return on that bitcoin not, not even promise them uh, advertise that we may give them a percentage return if they let me hold their bitcoin, and then figure out what the hell to do with all this bitcoin to make money later um or 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 these customers. and so that you know if you go back to like trend and shavers. Who did the Bitcoin Ponzi scheme that the SEC actually cracked down on, and he, you know, got in a lot of trouble for that. He did the same thing, you know. He, he promised people returns. He promised much higher returns and daily rates and such. He, he promised people higher returns. His intention seemed to actually be to to use people's Bitcoin to make more Bitcoin, and then he didn't. He was incapable of actually delivering and so people lost money, you know, and, and he lost their bitcoins instead. And that's, that's what has me concerned with things like BlockFi is they're, they're gonna have pressure. To profit eventually, they're burning money. They're buying a lot of advertising, a lot of expensive advertising. There, it's got to be expensive just to have the infrastructure and team to be able to hold thirty-five million dollars of Bitcoin for people, um, and and they're going to have a lot of pressure to put that Bitcoin to work. And putting Bitcoin to work is usually the most dangerous thing you can do with it.
0: I I totally agree. I I I completely agree. And and actually I am um, so. I always like to believe that a service like this, you know, would one day exist because of course every person wants to grow their Bitcoin. It is a beautiful narrative, right? Give me your, give me your Bitcoin. Don't do anything. And then I'll give you more Bitcoin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but, but this is typically associated (laughs) very, very tightly with, with scams. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But I will say this, um, there is utility and letting people take loans out on their on their crypto. Now, yes. I don't think it's something everybody should do. I definitely don't think you should do it to speculate. In other words, I don't think you should take your Bitcoin, borrow, you know, take a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin, borrow a hundred thousand dollars on that Bitcoin, and then buy more Bitcoin with it. Um, you're, you're really you're taking some huge risks, or, or, or trade shitcoins with the money and let your Bitcoin sit there. You're eventually going to lose it all. Um, but there is utility because of the way taxes work for people that want to do investing in fiat with their Bitcoin. So, like, if you say you have $100,000 in Bitcoin and you want to invest $50,000 in a company, but you don't want to have to sell that Bitcoin and generate a taxable event, well, you can put that Bitcoin into something like, uh, BlockFi or someone that will take your, your Bitcoin as collateral and they'll give you a loan. And then you can use that loan money to invest in that business. But essentially, you are choosing to sell that Bitcoin. You're just trying to sell that Bitcoin without taking a tax at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's also, um, I don't know if you know much about Celsius Network, but that was started by um, Alex Mashinsky, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the creator of, of the VoIP protocol, um, So I mean, he he comes from a very technical background, and he does something very similar to to BlockFi. You know, you can you can go and get uh, you know um, fiat loans against your Bitcoin that you uh, that you store there. Um, So yeah, well, the problem
1: with this is that while I see utility in it, and there's definitely a you know a purpose for it, the huge risk. The purpose is, is is more. Tailored towards people who like have a lot of experience managing their finances, but BlockFi is not being advertised to those people. It's being advertised to like crypto Twitter and shit,
0: you know. That's right.
1: So, so it, it's, it, I hate the, I hate the idea that somebody could only ever do a certain thing with their money if they were quote unquote accredited or such, but. There is a reason why that even came to be as a concept. It's because without that concept, people that don't know about complex financial instruments will end up getting fleeced. Um, oh, and yeah. So, so it's a tricky thing to, to decide where regulation is too far, you know. And and the the, the reality is, is is that regulation does exist, and we do live with it. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. And so you know that will fall into into crypto behavior as well. Um so I I do wonder I don't know what what country or state uh, BlockFi is um originated in but you know I do wonder if they're following proper advertising to Americans there's a lot of regulation about how you can advertise financial opportunities and, and instruments to Americans and you know how you do that and whether and whether it's registered and done properly. Um I do wonder if that, if they're staying true to that. I do wonder if they're actually allowed to do what they're doing to unaccredited investors. But in the end, my, I don't care about the regula- regulatory details. All I care about is that I do feel like there are people that are going to put their money in there and potentially lose it or not understand the risks. Um, and, and yeah. I don't like to see like, you know, pomp retweeting a ref a referral link saying earn 6% of your <laughs> on your bitcoin that's like that's not how you like that's not like a ethical means of of promoting that product you know
0: no i agree but he's uh, you know uh, he's he's managed to convince himself that uh, it's all good you know so <laughs> so.
1: yeah i mean I, again I, I don't think he's i don't have any reason to know that he's a scammer necessarily oh, no absolutely but not I, I just think maybe there's a, a higher uh, ethical behavior that people could be having than they currently do oh, The defin- the greed may blur that out of their consciousness
0: oh yeah i definitely agree um yeah so uh i was gonna say is uh is there anything else so i am gonna um just so you know i'm gonna put in the show notes i'm gonna uh put a link to you know to bit refill and um if if somebody wants to uh to contact you what is the what what's the best way to uh to reach you
1: I mean, the best way to reach me is probably on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and on uh, Telegram as at Bitcoin Error Log. Um, I work at bitrefill.com, and we we provide uh, digital gift vouchers for – I don't know, maybe fifteen hundred different products. If you include the the mobile phone top ups that we do as well, we're in the process of adding like literally hundreds of new products. We're adding Netflix, a bunch of you know big name brands from the U.S. and throughout the world. Um, we have a lightning announcement coming up, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just a lot, a lot of stuff cooking. We're trying, we're, 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 in active conversations with some of your favorite, uh, Bitcoin companies on ways to work together with them to do more things with Lightning and other products and integrations. Just a lot, a lot going on. So please, I appreciate all of your support, um, even if it's just reading my trolley tweets, um, or especially, you know, shopping at Bitrefill and giving me feedback about that and helping with that, um, but keep on living the Bitcoin dream. Cool.
0: Thank you so much, John. again. Thank you so much for coming on the show and taking your time. i I truly find like talking to you is is really awesome. And you know, I'm sure you got lots of other folks to see if you ever come to Boston, but man, I, I would love to actually do a show with you in person
1: well i'll probably be in new york for consensus i don't I, i'm originally from massachusetts so i don't know if i'll visit van, family at the same time but uh maybe bug me around then and we can hang out
0: okay cool man thank you so much thank you all right take it easy
1: you too bye bye
0: all right everybody i hope uh you enjoyed my interview discussion with uh with John Carvalho. Um, I I know I did. It was it was such a pleasure to uh, to talk with him and uh, just to get to pick his brain. You know, it's um, uh, a lot of times you just you you find yourself when you're when you're researching Bitcoin. It's it's interesting, right? There's so many Bitcoiners, but yet you you find yourself in this um, in this lonely position where you're doing a lot of research on your own and you create this this kind of, you know, this vacuum chamber for yourself and it, it's just really amazing to you know to get to speak to others and you know get their point of view and especially somebody like him who's really just seen so much of what bitcoin has you know what bitcoin has done anyways um so yeah that's uh, that does it for us that does it for episode 15 if you want to reach out to me on twitter i'm at coin icarus by email you can reach me at fun with crypto at protonmail.com and john's contact information his uh, his twitter information is going to be in the show notes catch you all next time